Bibles to Acts chapter 13. We're, we're, we're covering uh, a quite a stretch here, um, but I'm not going to read all of it, and I am going to do it at blazing speed for multiple reasons. First is we're, we are, um, our kids will be beating down the door soon. The other reason is, uh, conveniently for me, um, the, the time constraint is kind of convenient. I, I was not supposed to be preaching today. Um, ben Lillard, one of our ruling elders, was supposed to be preaching. In the middle of the week, he found out he had COVID. So, um, one, pray for Ben and his family. And two, uh, I don't know, I've got less to talk about. So, <laughs> Acts chapter 13 And we're going to start reading at the 32nd verse. Let me just tell you um, what's going to happen, what's happened up to this. Basically, all of this passage, 13 to 52, is, is a sermon, pretty much, that Paul preaches at Antioch uh, in Pisidia. There's multiple Antiochs. This one is in the middle of Turkey, um, modern-day Turkey. And he preaches this long sermon um, to the, the Jewish congregation there. And what he starts elaborating is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the plan of God to Israel. And he kind of gives this very fast overview of Israel's history and the covenants that God made with Abraham and David especially. And now Jesus is the fulfillment of those covenants. And he's now announcing to them the good news that the resurrected Jesus is now received and transmitted all of the promises given to David. And this son of David now is the reigning king who is giving to these people the things that they previously could not have had in the law of Moses. So we're going to pick this up near the end of this in verse 32. So you're going to hear the end of this sermon and then what happens afterwards. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers... This he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore he also says in another psalm, You will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served his purpose, served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything which, from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses." Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. 
And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this, your word. And God, we pray that it would be effective in us, that our hearts would be stirred to both love and obey you. And God, we know that we need your help, but we know that we were made to be stirred and changed by this, your word. And your word is powerful and effective, never failing or fading. May it have its way with us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about this incident and what Paul says in the context of things that have just happened in the past couple of days. Um, one, uh, I, I went from Thursday to Saturday, I was at a Presbytery meeting. So if you didn't know, you're in a Presbyterian church. And three times a year, we have this thing called Presbytery. We're organized by geography within our denomination. And this was a significant Presbytery meeting because our Presbytery, our region, has gotten so big, both geographically and number of churches, that we're multiplying. We're turning one Presbytery into three. And this was the last time that we'll all get to be together in the same room. And so these are people, I've been the pastor here uh, almost exactly 10 years now. And these, a lot of these people are, are people that I've seen multiple times, and, and a good chunk of them I'm saying goodbye to. I just mostly won't see anymore. And what was great was um, our denomination is called the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. It's a pretty young denomination. And these guys stood up and talked about the founding of our presbytery and the founding of our denomination because they were there at the beginning. And it was, it was beautiful um, talking about working out really difficult issues. Um, in our denomination, for example, um, we let churches decide whether they're going to have women elders and pastors or not. And we have people in our denomination that very strongly disagree about that. And yet to hear them say, but what mattered most to us was that we would preach the gospel together. And we're going to work hard to make sure that the person that I disagree with can feel comfortable in their conscience and do what they need to obey God so that we can stay in the room together and preach the gospel together. And these are the people who worked hard to make that happen for that reason and many other reasons. And the message, uh, we, we were um, glad to have the stated clerk of our denomination there. He's like the number one employee of the denomination, the head guy. And the, the message again and again in our presbytery was, remains, it's all about the gospel. It is all about the Great Commission and preaching the gospel. I came back from presbytery 
And yesterday, I came back to our fall festival, and which was, I had very little to do with, um, on purpose. Um, I'm not good at planning events. I don't particularly like parties, um, which is fine because I don't get invited to them, which I've said. <laughs> I, I'm not the person to be in charge of this. And uh, we have lots of people who are much better about it. Our missions team and our church life team did amazing work, worked so hard. And I came back, and there's so many people here, too, too many, to help set up. And then I was like, man, I really hope this works out. I really hope people come to this. I have no idea. And right after the starting time, until well after when it was supposed to end at 7, there were so many people here, many of whom I did not know, did not recognize. And I just want to say, um, I'm so proud of our church, and I'm so proud to get to be a part of being in this with you. And I'm incredibly grateful. I mean, I just looked at all of these people, many of whom I would not get the chance to talk to. I did not. I didn't have time to talk to all of these people. And some part of me in that moment was like, I'm the pastor. i got to talk to everybody. And I just looked at the whole thing. And I said, no, I don't. Because there's so many wonderful people at this church who are actively saying, you know, come in, come in, come in. And... I was so moved by how many of our neighbors came down to be here and to get good food. I mean, Chad killed it, as always, on the barbecue to get their children's faces covered in either many layers of paint or, or sugar or both. And it was so hospitable and it was so welcoming and I had so many serious conversations with people. And at the same time, the opportunity is so clear in our own neighborhood. I felt, I felt challenged. These are our people. Whether they are part of this church, many of them are not, or any church. These are our people. And we extend hospitality to them. We extend food to them and fun and entertainment for their kids. And we make space on our property for them to always come down and have fun. We do that on purpose. And yet what they need is the same thing that we talked about at the Presbytery and what is the center of this passage, which is the proclamation of Jesus. And that has to take the form of both a life given away and a story told. In the heart of this passage is Paul telling the story. It is Paul saying the words that the people need to hear and to announce the good news that Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire plan of God as he's worked out through the people of Israel. And what Paul is, is doing as he, he speeds over this entire history of, of Israel is he's making clear that God the whole time was working something out. 
and that you could get lost in it, in the, lost in the vastness of it, lost in the centuries of it, lost in the mistakes that Israel made, the failings that they had. And yet the message is the whole way along, God is actually doing things on purpose so that Jesus, this one person, receives the sum total of Israel's work and God throws open the doors and there is now on offer in Jesus freedom. The freedom that the law of Moses could not offer and only Jesus can be the doorkeeper of. And in the language that he uses to describe this is, is, is nuanced and complicated and you can't always see it in the English. What he's saying is the freedom of being made completely right with God. That's the freedom that he means. The law of Moses is good. It's valuable. He's talking in a Jewish congregation. They know that together. They all agree on that. That's why Paul is preaching from the law. But he says this thing the law could not do, which is to make you right with God so that you might be completely free. And Paul will, he will tell this news in different ways. It doesn't always read exactly like this. If you go read the sermons that are in Acts, both from Peter and Paul, and if you read the letters of the New Testament, he doesn't always say it the exact way. He turns the phrases to the audience that is listening. And what he knows these people need to hear is this pronouncement of freedom that is open to them. And now what I want us to do is to understand that we are Paul's heirs. That we are in fact Pauline people. And our lives need to be attuned to this task as Paul's was. That we have to look out at the landscape of not just a fall festival party, but of the, the ordinariness of our day and understand that this is the context in which we ourselves are also announcing this same story. That throughout all of human history, the creator God was actually working something out so that you can hear this. You and I are called to the same kind of task. So what I want you to do right now is to practice. Here's what you have to do. I'm literally telling you you have to do this. It's not rhetorical. I want you to turn to somebody either on your left or your right, or if you are sitting on a row by yourself, turn around. And I want you to say, one of these two things. What I love about Jesus is, and you need to fill in the blank. Or, what I want you to say is, what I wish was different about the world is, and I don't mean like, I wish I had a nicer car. Okay, that's lame. I do also wish that. <laughs> Let's just set those aside. What I'm talking about is when you look at the world 
the things that break your heart about the world. Okay? What I love about Jesus or what I wish was different about the world was. Now, you have to, now let me be clear on something. My kind of personality is if somebody in the front of the room told me to do this, I would say, You're not the boss of me, and I'm not doing this. <laughs> I don't do this very often, but I'm the pastor, and I'm the boss in this room, and I'm telling you to do it, okay? Non-participation is not an option. You will be docked participation points. I'm also a professor. Participation points will be taken out of your grade if you don't do this right now, okay? If the person sitting next to you is a stranger, that's fine. You will both look weird to a stranger, okay? You're part of a club. So I'm going to count down to five. I'm going to give you two minutes to do this. I better hear talking. Five, four, three, two, one, go. I do it as a job. I am doing it. I am doing All right, start to wrap it up. Just one sentence. I didn't tell y'all to start preaching. Okay, here is the point of this exercise. This is the task that you are called to. This is actually the thing that you have to learn how to be comfortable to do with people that you love and know and even strangers. And you need to be able to talk personally and say, I love this about Jesus. Because people are not moved by your theory of religion. People are not convinced by the tightness of your logic. What they want to see is your heart full of love. And you have a unique and specific way in which only you can tell that story. Only you can say the words, I love Jesus like this. 
Because Jesus has come and done something specific and oh so lovely for and with you. And you need to also be able to look at the world and see the fissures of its brokenness. Because a lot of people aren't ready to hear you say, I love Jesus for this reason. That does not make sense to them. But what they want to know is, can you see the same world that I do? I wish this world was not so wrecked by injustice. I wish that disease would not come and swallow my family away. You have to both be able to read the world and to say what God has done. And when you can do both of those truly very simple things, you start to follow in Paul's footsteps. And what you need to hear is the theology that runs underneath what Paul is saying. And hear and believe that it is still true. That the God who's been working for ages has surely set the hopes of everyone on the shoulders of Jesus. And he can bear it. There is a verse here that many people find profoundly troubling. It says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And this is not the way that Western Americans write this story. What we want to say is, as many as were convinced by the excellence of the argument or the appeal that Paul was making or the life that was on author, as many as were moved by that decided to follow Jesus. But Luke cannot write his account divorced from the theology that Paul has just espoused, which would God is working in the world. And people get tripped up on this and, and want to have just sit and camp out here and say, but who and how many and when were they appointed? And what about the other people who weren't appointed? And you've missed the important word in the sentence, which is everyone. Everyone who was appointed to believe came to believe in Jesus. It's Everyone that is the emphasis, not the appointment. The appointment is what makes the everyone possible. The previous verses says that the people who rejected self-excluded, they decided, it says, they were unworthy of eternal life. And in this verse, he says, everyone who is appointed, everyone came to believe. And what that means is you people who just did this thing, you are free. You are invited to preach the gospel with absolute freedom. 
Because the God who has worked through the centuries to set hope on Jesus alone is still working in the world and he does not take a loss. And everyone, everyone will come and believe who has been appointed to believe. And it does not matter that you and I don't know who everyone is. Do you see a list of names here? Do you see a pie graph of how many people that was? Do you see an explanation of how all of these ifs, wins, and buts work out? You don't. It's just God is working and he will save his people, period. And so when you and I, when, with joy and freedom, step into these moments and just offer the good news. I love Jesus because there's nobody like him and no one could set me free like he could. Nobody could set me a miserable, broken, self-conflicted, self-judging, shame-filled person set me completely right with God. Nobody could set me free like that. And I wish that the world did not look like the way that it does. I wish disease was gone. I wish injustice was gone. I wish the things that tear us apart from the inside have no place in this world. That story, would you tell that with faithfulness and joy in every single moment that God presents you? Everyone who's appointed to believe will believe. And it is not about you. Am I cool enough? Am I strong enough in my argument? Is this how you're actually supposed to do it? What if they ask these questions that I don't know the answer to? It doesn't matter. It is not about you. It is not about me. It is always only about Jesus. It is always only about Jesus. The hope of Israel is fulfilled, not in the faithfulness of Israel. It is always only about Jesus. Your fears are about how you fail to be the hero of the story. The truth of the gospel is it is always only about Jesus. You are free. We are free to invite our neighbors. We are free to be rejected by our neighbors. We are free to serve and love our neighbors. And when the door slams in your face and in mine, it is not about you. It is always only about Jesus. And today, at the end of Missions Month, we need to be very clear on that. This task that you just pretended to engage in is the thing that you and I are called to for the rest of our lives with no end to any particular month on any calendar. If Missions Month is not a launching pad, then it's a prison. Do you understand what I'm saying? If this church's or any church's Mission Month is not a launching pad, it is a prison. We are not here for a show. We are here to move with Jesus and to run where he is going. And let the bigness of what God does in Christ consume our whole lives. And our prayer is, transform this valley.
and indeed the whole world. So the glory of God might cover the world as the waters cover the seas. That is all and only about Jesus. And that's where we're going. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are worthy of this. That a vision of life together only makes sense in light of you. Only you are that worthy. Only you are that good. And Father, I pray that you would draw us deeper into this world. God, I, I pray that as you gather us here, that you would also scatter us. That you would, you would send us to all the places we go in the ordinary portions of our day. And we would feel the joy and the freedom of knowing that you are at work in the world so that we can just participate with our Father. We can just be faithful to the moment, faithful to the truth, and leave results and outcomes in your hand. God, help us to be free, liberated, joyful people, that the people who are left behind at Antioch, those disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. And God, I pray that those same words would be true of us at Valley Hope. Let us be filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray for many moments where we, in the context of a, a big party or in the quietness of our or one-on-one -on -one meetings, or, or the quietness of inviting one family into our household, that we would be people faithful to tell the story of God's great love for his people, who he's won for himself in Jesus. Father, we confess to you that we are bound by, by fears and selfishness and all kinds of things. And we are so grateful that even our stories are all about Jesus. Help us to believe it. Help us to live it. And turn our lives inside out. That this whole valley might be filled with the expanding pulsating life of the kingdom of Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.